It's Friday night on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ailish Forfar, Justin Cuthbert. I just heard from Real Kipper and Bourne about those Maple Leafs that dropped another one in OT. We have lots to go through on the show today. Sean Gentilly will join us around 6.30 to help tee up tomorrow's game with Leafs and Penguins. Uh, Smith & Jones from Scotiabank Arena around 7 o'clock. They're up on Raps and Bulls on 590 after us. But in studio on Fuchsia Friday, <laughs> not planned, is Carolyn Cameron, host yeah, of the NHL Sportsnet. I missed Sportsnet. the memo. Look at us go. I know. This looks nice. We're bookending it. You know what? It works. We should have switched today. We should have. But it works with our, our hair color and our skin. Yeah. Like they, the, Good job. The stylists know. <laughs> this is what brunette should I wear. I would say I feel silly because I'm all dressed up because we just did the Oilers game. Yeah. I don't actually come to work looking like that. Oh, you look great. You look great. Uh, but let's start with the Oilers game. 5 nothing win. Yeah. Uh, maybe a surprise, but maybe they're back. <laughs> I think... So this, to me, was their first complete game of the season, and it's great that it's a shutout for Skinner, I think, just as a confidence booster. I think they were 5-for-5 five five on the PK, too, which is good, even though the Capitals' um, power play is the worst mm-hmm. in the league. I think they're, which like, 3-for-48 or something. And they have Ovi. kind of feel bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> not helping him try and get his gold numbers might be a, up. Might be a long slog to that record. Yeah, yeah power play like, be like that. six more years. Yeah, um, But yeah, for the Oilers, like their power play, they had uh, three straight power play goals to end it. Mm-hmm. McDavid had four points. They just were like buzzing from the very start, which was impressive because it's the, I mean, everyone knows how much they've been struggling, but final game of that four-game road trip. And the Caps had a five-game win streak headed in. So just really good. And what we even noticed most of all, I was doing the game with Luke Gazdick, is there was just this moment in the second period where Connor McDavid looked so happy. And then at the start of the third, like, Dreisaitl (laughs) was just smiling on the bench. And it might seem kind of frivolous or silly, but it's you just haven't seen that. And Gene Principe got um, Dreisaitl laughing in the post-game interview, too. So They needed that. They have a lot of checkpoints here. Skinner shut out, smiles from the big guys. They're not consoling each other. I, I mean... It might be a little frivolous, but I do think it matters because if those two guys aren't feeling good about themselves at all, which they haven't, I don't think until this point, then they really don't have any chance. So, you know, the four points from Connor, the smiles, mm-hmm. shutout, everything's good there. It's just that we've kind of had a couple points over the season where it's been like, okay, they're going to be all right now. They'll turn things around. Heritage Classic was one of them yeah. and it didn't happen. So is it just, is it still just like, okay, they really need another good goaltending performance next time out? Or is it just like, okay, maybe Connor and Leon have gotten past what had been ailing ailing them? See, I'm still skeptical that this is kind of suddenly the change or the shift in the season. Mm -hmm. I almost need like two or three or even four games at this point of it. Because it's even just like doing so many Oilers games this year, it's just they've never been able to consistently, other than today, get everything working at once. Like even if they have a pretty good goaltending performance, the offense isn't there. Um... Even if you have some offense, Connor and Dreisaitl maybe aren't the ones scoring, which is never usually a problem, right? You'd mm-hmm. love secondary scoring, scoring for the Oilers. But my point is it just hasn't all been there. So even though it's just one game, it just isn't selling it for me. A little later in the show, we're going to look at the newest 32 Thoughts written article by Elliot Friedman where yep. he talks about changing his Stanley Cup picks. I'm yes. wondering if you were interested in revising yours right. as you had selected the, the Edmonton Oilers, Oilers yeah. as yours. Are um, you still going to hold on hope? Actually, I was thinking about that because we have Hockey Central coming up uh, later on Sportsnet West and that's one of the questions I'm asking uh, Sam and Luke because <laughs> that was my thought today. It's like, okay, we're at American Thanksgiving. Um, who is, I don't want to, this is such like a sitting on the fence. I don't want to say, I think the Florida Panthers, for instance, are going to win the cup. 
or that the Boston Bruins are, but like the Panthers to me are a team that I didn't think mm-hmm. would have as good a season this year as they have, especially with all that time Brandon Montour and Aaron Eckblad were out. So second in the Atlantic, I think headed into tonight. I'd have to check the standings with all the afternoon yeah, right. games. But that's a team where I did rinkside for their first round series upset last year against right. the Bruins too. And they're just, they just have this confidence and they're in a market too where they're just left alone and they just do their thing. And I just, I'm surprised that they've played so well this year considering the injuries. So will they be cup champs? I wouldn't say they're my pick. I think I'm still figuring out what my pick is. Yeah. <laughs> but they're up there and they weren't. Yeah, I was struggling with Florida a little bit because we're going to kind of talk about who's on our list. But, like, it comes down to goaltending again. And do I believe Sergei Bobrovsky can do that again? Like, yeah. I'm just not sure because everyone was writing him off before he had that run, and now we're expecting him to do it twice. I'm just not quite sure. But maybe they do belong based on everything else and based on what we've seen this season on that list. Are, are you putting the Vancouver Canucks on that list? Yes, but I, I think I just have so much uh, Canadian team trust issues that it just makes me <laughs> nervous to say it. Yeah. So, yeah. I Vancouver's just so fun to watch. And the thing is, so they've got goaltending, right? Like yep. Demko's numbers have been very good. Not top of the league, but very good. Pretty close. Quinn Hughes, I would say, and it's easy to argue right now, is the best player in the league because he leads in scoring and he's also the top defenseman by far, I think. Even though we saw them against Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes right now to me is number one. And they're getting scoring from everywhere. Just It's so interesting to me in Vancouver how you can have basically the exact same group from a year ago and just coaching has changed everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's more going on in the room too, but this is just, they're just playing at ease. So yeah, I'd put the Canucks up there. But my trust issues, I just worry it's early. I've got trust issues the <laughs> other way about the Boston Bruins because yeah. I did not think that they were, I had them not making the playoffs this yeah. year. And I was like, ah, it's such a good pick. And now I look like an idiot because they're like one of the best teams in the NHL again. Nothing really changed other than losing some of their big players. And they somehow do this again, whether it's like the culture, like the, the coaching. But I just think that they're probably one of the biggest surprises for me. And my trust issues are like, oh, they're going to do it again. I think after being around them in the first round last year, mm-hmm. too, their culture, they're just at ease. I think they're just, they look after each other. They're confident, but not bordering on cocky. Mm-hmm. And Jim Montgomery, I think, is just the perfect coach for it. Did you guys see the video this week, yeah, too, with awesome. the dad's trip? And it was his pregame speech, Jim Montgomery saying, like, play for the names in your back. I was getting, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm ready to, like, run through a brick wall for this guy. Uh, it's a busy day for you. A lot of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the, I don't know if there's, like, a roadmap that you have to follow, but I think you end up at Dallas and Calgary later <laughs> yeah. on. So let's do a little Calgary. Let's do a little Dallas. With Calgary is like what's happening in Edmonton, aside from today, I guess, the best thing that's happened to the Calgary Flames <laughs> in that it kind of takes a little bit of the attention because there's a lot of expectation, not as high on Calgary, but the results are, and again, not equally as bad, but still not what they wanted. So is the the provincial thing kind of shading them or shrouding uh, the attention that would be on them in terms of, you know, the negative light and the, the disappointment of, hey, we got rid of Daryl Sutter. We want to move forward. We're better than that. And it's kind of the same thing. I think so, because I think it's split the attention. Because right around the Heritage Classic, when the Flames lost that game, and as one of you mentioned, that seemed like the turning point for the Oilers that mm. wasn't. That's when, okay, all the negative focus was on the Flames. They've been pretty good in the last month. They've got a really tough stretch coming up, which worries me a little bit. Because I think it's five games in nine nights. And even in the next, like, I was looking at the schedule through to mid-December. They've got the Stars twice, Mm. like first tonight. 
They've got the Golden Knights twice. Like, they've got the Canucks. It's tough. It's tough going coming up. But, yes, like, Connor Zari was back in the lineup tonight, the rookie. He's been really good, and he's actually given Nazem Kadri a boost. Jonathan Huberdeau's looking a bit better. Mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom's kind of settling in, although there's always kind of maybe one goal every game or two where he has a great game, but he'll let kind of a a softer one in. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it, it was good for the Flames that the Oilers have been struggling as much as they are, but credit to the Flames themselves because they've been able to find their game at least a bit more consistently. Yeah, they can finish uh, one of two in Alberta, which I guess is something. Uh, Dallas is a fascinating team to me. It's like they, you know, Vegas is kind of the destination, the trendy mm-hmm. place where guys like Petrangelo and Stone wanted to end up and they went there and they won a cup and everything's great. It's like tax things and there's <laughs> lifestyle reasons and all that. But, like, Dallas to me is, like, mini Vegas in that sense. Yeah. Because they have, they had something, and they had some good talent, and they weren't quite there. But they've been able to just pick up guys who either scrap heap or uh, just, you know, uh, maybe on the last five years of their career and want to play for a little less. And it seems like a lot of them are choosing Dallas. Do you feel like they've built something that's maybe not sustainable, but, like, could work in this moment as a destination NHL team and one that might be able to win a Stanley Cup? They're really good. They've got all the... The, the, the benchmarks you'd want of a yeah. Stanley Cup contender. I think so. Even uh, Blake Coleman of the Flames, he lives in Texas in the offseason, and he had all the Flames over for dinner mm-hmm. last night for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I saw a clip. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you're not getting a house like that. <laughs> no. That's like Instagram. Any, you're on Instagram, yeah. and you're like, here's this like, house I want to move to Texas. Like, yeah. Like, how many houses are like they that? They pay thing? you to live there, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it is a destination. The thing that's so interesting about Dallas is, like, they're arguably a cup contender, mm-hmm. but they've just always been right there, but they haven't been at the top of the West. Because even mm-hmm. still, I would consider, not just based on the standings, but Vegas a better team, the Canucks a better team. Um, but they're just so skilled, I think, or talented because they have such a good mixture of youth and experience. Like, Pavelski's still doing his thing mm-hmm. in his late 30s, um, and Robertson continues to do well. Like, they have so many good pieces across the board, so... Yeah, I'm sure taxes and climate and that have something and, to do with and it. They, but and I, they've drafted well. Yes, they have. Like, yeah. like they've drafted well, too. <laughs> uh, we're chatting with Carolyn Cameron, host of the NHL on Sportsnet. Uh, big night ahead on the network. Lots of games to go through. We just finished seeing the Maple Leafs drop one in overtime. But I want to ask you about William Nylander. Mm-hmm. Did you see his Rogers commercials, by the way? <laughs> it is because very good. not only, you know, company he guy here. Coat. I, I was upset. Where's the puffy mm. He looked good, though. It was a fun commercial. Check it out online, um, <laughs> of course. But he has just... I guess, morphed into the celebrity superstar that maybe was always there, but didn't always get the limelight, didn't always get the stardom. He goes to Sweden. He has this amazing uh, Mm -hmm. trip, and it feels like the price keeps going up. But besides the price, just watching William Nylander this season has been a joy. He's so good, and I'm just so – like, think how he lives his life. He just doesn't (laughs) seem to worry about anything. Like, I'd like to take a master class in how Nylander thinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been good seeing kind of his stardom rise because it's – I forget who said it. Maybe it was Tavares – but one of his teammates said Toronto's kind of the perfect place for Nylander. Mm-hmm. And when have you ever heard anyone say that about <laughs> Never. Toronto, right? It's like people have to deal with playing here. Mm-hmm. But for Nylander, it's just been great. I couldn't believe in OT, though, the, like, double post and crossbar yeah. to end his streak. That was disappointing. Yeah, that was, like, ultimate knife-edge stuff. Because we we always joke around about Mitch Marner's streak last year and how it was this huge thing for yeah. him. Yeah, so thing fun. For Remember that game, too, to, like, try and get an empty Yeah, and it was, like, the most joy. <laughs> like and it was just, like, it was kind of, like, a little embarrassing, but it was also yeah. really fun. Yeah, it was our uh, Stanley Cup. It, it yeah. was huge. It was, it was sad, huge for Mitch Marner. And, and I don't think it would mean as much to William Nylander. But if that goes in, uh, we're not talking about, you know, the effects maybe of Sweden travel. We're not talking about, A, mm-hmm. 
Uh, we're not talking about a point streak that is over. Maybe Nylander goes 20, 25 games, and we're talking about this unbelievable run to start the season that could put him in a different category of superstardom altogether, and yet it hits three posts and it doesn't go in, and now we're talking maybe a little bit negatively over the next 24 hours since they play uh, again tomorrow night about the Leafs. But the thing for me is only five wins in regulation for the Leafs in 18 yeah. games. I mean, the mark of a good team generally is you fill up that regulation slash overtime win stat column on NHL.com. Uh, five from 18 is not good. Where are you at on the Leafs? No, there? that's a really good point. Then it also makes me think of uh, first round of the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Finally beating Tampa and mm-hmm. thinking how long an OT it took for them to get there. Uh, where am I with the Leafs? Like, they're such a good, talented team, and to me, they'll make the playoffs, right? That's in the last few years, that just hasn't been the concern. But there's still the concern for me is how far will they make it? And in that, my concerns right now, like today, the top line wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And I really like Nyes, but he wasn't as strong, hasn't been as strong in the last few games as he can be. So it's still trying to sort out the lines. And then the big thing is obviously in the long run in playoffs defensively. But now with Klingberg being out, that frees up over $4 million dollars. So mm-hmm. now it's about kind of the excitement of what defensemen can they get on the market. <laughs> Zadorov. But <laughs> say that stretch with the you said the Flames have a really tough stretch. It's like, well, maybe yeah. they'll know at the end of the stretch who's available. But I feel like I'm where I am with the Leafs every year at this mm. time. Like they're good, they're talented, but it's just it's not all together yet. And, and it's almost like there's a couple excuses built in because Boston has this amazing start. Well, you're not gonna win the division. They've so only just lost kinda, two regular they lost today. <laughs> yeah, two regulation regulation wins not not their yeah, problem for the no. Boston Bruins. So it's like, okay, you can redefine expectations again, just get into the playoffs, just fill the Klingberg hole at your leisure. And it feels like again, no pressure, no stakes, regular season. And I don't know if that's the best thing, but I I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay, last one for you, Carolyn. Uh, Canada winning Billie Jean King Cup. Yeah, look oh, we, at this. I know. We didn't None get a chance content. really to chat with it because it was, you know, our show was at different times. But uh, incredible achievement, first ever. And, yep. and I just think it, I know you're the big tennis fan, so I wanted to ask your thoughts on how we even got there. So it was really cool because similar to the Davis Cup run last year for Canada's men, mm-hmm. it was totally unexpected yeah. because they, yeah, they had Lily Annie Fernandez who was, Outstanding, and Gabriella Dabrowski, who's a multi-time Grand Slam champ in doubles, and she did her thing. But they had this 18-year-old out of nowhere who just had a really good September winning challenger-level events, which are, like, lower-level, traveling the world, doing it in basically empty buildings, not even arenas. So, Satusic, she just came out and was an absolute star and was able to lead with Layla them mm-hmm. all the way to the final. So, I couldn't believe it <laughs> watching it. It was just so, so cool. Yeah, we were, like, I think I was like, wait a second, Canada's winning again? Canada's in the finals? Yeah. We were talking about this, like, mm. this went under under the rug almost yeah. because we just didn't expect it. So those are no. really fun stories to cover. Yeah, that's uh, fun. Davis Cup vibes. So yes. I, I love that Unfortunately, a lot. the men, then I was watching the, the men name, last week yeah. and I was kind of getting excited and it was just one and done. Well, just okay. Well, it's still, the, still, still called the double, just not in the same year. Yeah, right? true. Yeah, for a week, oh, for a week we had both. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. That was a special week. Uh, well, we appreciate you coming on. Big night tonight. Thank you. Uh, we'll let you go in your fuchsia, <laughs> and uh, we'll have you stop by again down the road. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Um, okay, so thirty-two thoughts. We just mentioned this a little while ago. Uh, Elliot wrote a new article, and we wanted to, you know, take a little bit of his. His content, because it was a really good... We're stealing Elliot's content. Yeah, we are stealing Elliot's stuff. Uh, we're allowed to. We're teammates. So he wrote at the beginning of the season, uh, along with, I think it was 20 Sportsnet personalities, uh, everybody picked their Stanley Cup champ. And we know that 10 of them, 50%, picked the Edmonton Oilers to win. 
Elliot also wrote and down, you. and you, yes. Uh, Elliot wrote down, uh, I think it's around 10 teams that he thought could win the cup at the start of the season. And then now has shown the difference from the beginning to the, you know, American Thanksgiving time. So the newest additions are the Boston Bruins, the Florida Panthers, the Los Angeles Kings, and the New York Rangers, eliminating the Edmonton Oilers, the New Jersey Devils, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So a little switcheroo on the bottom four of his selections, uh, which got us thinking about who we actually would have in our can-win-the-cup rankings. But he got rid of Toronto, which is a pretty big thing to do in this market. Doesn't yeah. think they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup It's the anymore. tough decision. He could have just, you know, left them on. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. But he didn't. He took them off. I get, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that says something about their start. Mm-hmm. But again, we talked about it. Five wins from 18 games of regulation is not good enough. And they're not there yet. They just lost their $4 million defenseman who may or may not have ever gotten to the point where he could have filled that role. They still got work to do. I mean, the Maple Leafs are in a position now where to be considered, I think they would have to add. And they're going to have to make some changes to the roster, some improvements to the roster in order to get back onto that list. So Elliot's list, Carolina, Colorado, Dallas, Vegas, Boston, Florida, L.A., and the New York Rangers are his four newest ones. We have a similar-ish, me and you, um, our picks for who could win the Stanley Cup now. Uh, do you want to go through? Oh, here they are. There we go. Okay, so we got the Golden Knights each, which is an easy one, right? Yes. Bruins each, easy one. Avalanche each, easy one. Uh, Dallas, I'm seeing on both. Mm-hmm. Rangers, I'm seeing on both. We still got the Leafs, but I got a little asterisk. Yeah, so please explain your, your highlighted ones because those need a little work. And I mean, I kind of just said it. Like, they, they got to add. Like, if you look at this Maple Leafs defense score, there's no way. They, I mean, there's no way you're winning a Stanley Cup. But if they just ransack the Calgary Flames uh, and just take two or maybe three defensemen from them, I mean, you're looking at a defense score that can win a Stanley Cup, are, are you not? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's all dependent for the Maple Leafs on whether or not they can add. The other ones are a little bit different. The ones that I have bolded there, the Panthers and Hurricanes. I I, I think maybe bolded for different reasons, but I do think they still would have to add. I feel like I'm losing faith. I have the same feeling every year. And, and With who? Well, like, look where the Devils are starting this season right now, right? Right. Yeah. And the Hurricanes are always that exciting team to cheer for. I just kind of lost. So you lost faith in both. I lost a little bit of faith in them. I'm, I'm leaving the door open for the Devils because Jack Hughes has missed a large part of the season. And I think they could get there, but I think the acquisition that I'm uh, 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 insinuating with that bold is that they might need a goaltender. They can't stop the puck right now. And and they went in this season maybe just hoping that what they had could get them through. And it's the same story for me with the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, they just can't score enough to win. They've been one of the best teams in the NHL for the better part of a half decade. More than that. Better part of a decade. Uh, But they just can't score enough when it matters the most. And for that reason... Until they put someone else into that top six, I'm going to consider them non-contenders. I can't help but notice that neither of us have the Vancouver Canucks on our list, and that one could be one of those screenshots of cold takes exposed. Yeah, I think that we'll that do might what be we can. that might be our blind spot. I think I, it's the scar tissue Carolyn was talking it's about. It's the scar tissue. Like I just for don't sure. believe until. And again, I was like. I, I was banging the drum for the Oilers like, no, it's not just this year. It's going to be multiple years for the Edmonton Oilers. They finally are good enough to win. And then they show this. It's like every time you put your neck out there for a Canadian team, you get burned. So maybe it's a better thing that we're just letting them be. I will say from Elliot, myself, and you, um, the addition of the Rangers, the addition of Boston, 
and the addition of Florida seems to be a reoccurring theme. Three teams that I don't believe many people thought would be this real this early. Um, and he's got L.A. there. And I'm, not, well, I'm not there on L.A. I have L.A. too. Um, I've oh, always been LA. excited about the Kings. Okay. I just want them to do something. But I just saw they're 9-0 and 0. Um, they just won again on the road. And now they have a road record undefeated on the road. I think they're they're a gritty team. Most people kind of just like forget they exist. But I won't they do. I mean, I mean it's easy, it's, it is easy to uh, forget about them a little bit because they're built in a way that's maybe not the sexiest thing mm-hmm. ever. Um, and they play in the in the in the, the time zone that they do. Um, but I still feel like they're missing something that Carolina's missing too. The absence of like that dominant score that's going to carry you through. That can do the Matthew Kachuk thing. That can do the Kucherov thing. That that's what the trade the deadlines Le- for. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid thing. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not ready to put them on the list yet. All right. We might have to redo this list in a month or two. See where we're at. Uh, but that was inspired Whenever by... Whenever Elliot does it. Inspired by Elliot's article up on uh, sportsnet.ca. It's called Ditching Turkeys for a New Set of Stanley Cup Favorites. It's the newest 32 Thoughts written edition. Okay. Um, he's calling the Maple Leafs turkeys, too. He might have. He just, I think he said they were turkeys. Jeez. Let's take a look um, at some action tonight. Time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. The Raptors are on a little later. We got them on Sportsnet 590. The fans, 7.30 p.m. against the Chicago Bulls. Unfortunately, both teams are officially out of the play-in tournament. Uh, the Raptors... Uh, and, and Chicago won't really be playing for anything tonight, but pride. So with pride mm. on the line. On a really fancy court. On a beautiful court here at Scotiabank Arena. I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam to get a double-double. Uh, he has been a, a bright star the last couple games for the um, Toronto Raptors. And plus 275 is it's not, it's good. I'm not turning that down. I like it a lot. So Pascal Siakam, a double-double. He, he got one last game. Um, and I think tonight... There's no Zach Levine. He's questionable. I don't know if we've got the official injury report yet. So I think Pascal will be probably the top point getter as well. I know you like that bet. Yeah, I do. Uh, Pascal's 30-point games all included Mm -hmm. double-doubles. It's Mm -hmm. something connected with uh, his point scoring. Gives him a little bit more in the other stat categories. Maybe that's a little bit more minutes because they're just riding the hot hand. But, uh, yeah, an opportunity to score tonight for sure against the Chicago Bulls. I'm going with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, It's a bit of a... Uh, rivalry game, I guess, ish uh, with the Florida Panthers tonight. But the the story, though, is Rick Bonus. Rick Bonus returning to the Winnipeg Jets after an absence to deal with, you know, a family matter and an illness with his wife. They're plus 120 tonight. I'm always chasing plus money, but this is more of a narrative and feeling pick. The guys play hard for the returning head coach, and they've been really, really, really performing well without Rick Bonus around. So I think that continues. I think they're they're starting off uh, on a good foot. They're feeling it coming in. They're going to have a little extra motivation in addition to the other head coach with Paul Maurice on the opposite side for the Florida Panthers. So a little coaching narrative, a little plus money on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, plus 120 tonight is my pick. I love it. Uh, that was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers Take a Chance. In the next hour of our show, we're grinding on a Friday night. we got an extra half hour on our show uh, tonight. We'll have Sean Gentilly join us. He's from The Athletic and the Puck Soup podcast tomorrow. The Toronto Maple Leafs play the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is time to revisit Kyle Dubas's time as a general manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll go through that with him. Um, we'll talk about Eric Carlson, their newest addition, of course, the big one of the offseason. We're going to do our first mailbag segment. We had you guys send some stuff in uh, via Instagram or Twitter or the text line. We have a couple questions, so stay tuned for that. We'll go through a couple fan submissions. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll be on Sportsnet 590. The fan and Smith & Jones will join us courtside from Scotiabank Arena on that court that 
was slippery and hopefully isn't anymore and help us tee up tonight's game against the Bulls. And you raised a good question uh, because we got Hoops Hype's global rankings right now in the NBA, mm-hmm. and a familiar name is number two behind Nikola Jokic. Shea Gilgis-Alexander currently the number two performing NBA player right now, and you brought up a really good point. Is he the highest performing Canadian in their league right now? With Connor McDavid struggling, with Kale McCarr maybe not outpointing Quinn Hughes right now, with no one to really speak of, mm-hmm. although Javon Holland, nice play tonight in today's uh, Black Friday game. He is the best Canadian in the NFL, most likely. But I think there's a good a good chance that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the number one Canadian athlete performing in professional sports right now. So we'll go into that. All right, all that to come on the fan pregame on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan will be back after this. It's Ailish and Justin, fan pregame. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back on the fan pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ailish and Justin. Penguins are currently playing the Buffalo Sabres. It is a 0-0 tie halfway through the first period. They'll be on the back-to-back. So will the Maple Leafs tomorrow night at PPG Paints Just Arena. less time to turn it around, advantage Leafs. That's it. They got, what, like three or four more hours yeah. to travel. So It's key. Anyone blaming the Sweden thing might like want to minus 500 on the money line after that. Um, a big one tomorrow, though, uh, emotionally, spiritually, in terms of remembering those from the past. See how the Maple Leafs fare when they see Kyle Dubas up in the press box. Let's bring in Sean Gentilly of the Athletic and the Puck Soup podcast. Sean, happy American Thanksgiving. What are you eating? Oh, my God, you too. I have, like, I don't have any leftovers. I was just thinking that. <laughs> wow. I, did a re- I did a really bad <laughs> You did it right, really though. Bad. I mean, I did a bad job of rate, of rating the table at my aunt's last night. Mm. Like I, I should have I should have bagged up more stuff and snagged it. Yeah, we're we're looking a little a little thin here. <laughs> yeah. uh, not my best, not my best showing. See, that's like I mean, you take matters in your hands and you you solve the problem. But the worst is when you're like, yeah, I'll take some I'll take some food home, and there's like nothing on the plate. Like this is not even half a lunch. <laughs> no, it's a waste. I'm like, I need I need two plates. I need them stacked onto each other, and I need to go home with it. Right now, uh, yeah, on, on the topic. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think the only thing I actually came away with was a bunch of Rice Krispie treats. I had like maybe <laughs> one glass of wine too many and rolled out with a bag full of Rice Krispie treats. So whatever, we'll make it work. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, uh, this is you can take this one any way you want. Maybe you're talking food. Maybe you're talking about hockey deals. But what's on Kyle Dubas's plate right now? Oh, I don't. He needs to figure out what's going on with his team's power play mm-hmm. and find whether that means, you know, I don't know. Like everybody here wants him to fire Todd Reardon, who's, who's the assistant coach, is in charge of that because the unit's terrible, right? They're under 14% on the season. As far as the conversion rate's concerned, they just went over 5 in a game against the Rangers when they lost 1-0 and only generated five actual shots on net over the course of all those opportunities. So that's like – the issue of the week here and it's really been the issue of the season because you have a team that's you know in the wild card chase but needs every point they can get when you have like one element of the team that's you know scuffling as badly 
is that you know that could that could loom pretty large. So yeah, that's that's the issue of the day. And I, I don't know if there's anything Dubas can do. I mean, they're up against the cap as as always, but that's like the that's the pressing issue. So we'll we'll, we'll see how they address it, whether it's a coaching thing or a personnel thing or whatever, because something needs to be done about it. Zooming out a little bit, because we haven't talked Kyle Dubas since uh, the infamous press conference uh, that was... Bit, well, we talked about it a little bit. was a bit spicy. <laughs> After that, we just, yeah. I mean, this season, we haven't really focused mm. too much on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, so what's the fan base feeling about Kyle Dubas? His approval rating? Has the uh, introduction of a new general manager been smooth in Pittsburgh? I think the approval rating is pretty high because a lot of the stuff he did during, and I, I know I just sat there and you know, dumped on a power play for 30 seconds. But a lot of the stuff he did over the course of the offseason, he had a tough job, and a lot of it's paid off. You know, he remade the bottom six. That group of players has kind of started to round into form a little bit. And it's it's nobody interesting, right? It's Lars Eller, it's Nola Chari, it's, you know, Matt Nieto and Vinny Henestroza. Like, these are not, you know difference-making players necessarily, but that was also one of the biggest issues with this team over the last bunch of years was that, you know, they just didn't have any productive NHL players really on the th- – uh, very they were short on them on the third and fourth line. So he brought in a bunch of guys who, you know, at least, you know, fit, uh, fit a need and have a skill set and are at least capable of, you know, contributing in limited minutes. And that was the single biggest – uh, single biggest thing he set out to do in, in the offseason. And also Tristan Jari, who's, you know, whatever, inconsistent on, on his best days in, in net. He's been good over the last month, too. So those are sort of like the, the, the pressing issues that were facing Dubas. I think those are the things that the fan base wanted to see was, to, you know, solidify the bottom six and try to figure out what to do in net. And for the time being, you know, even though this team isn't perfect and they do have problems, those, those, those two elements at least are uh, – they're 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 holding up there and the bargain if nothing else so yo t- uh tackling tackling excuse me priority one and that's one thing that kyle dubas does really well uh brings in you know bit players if you want to call them that yep. that can fill a role for you that's kind of uh right up his alley uh, but i wonder because yeah he he did well with those additions and yet this team is still and it's early and the games played matters at this point but fifth in the wild card and, and chasing uh you know, mm-hmm. the, the mandate is to win with Sidney Crosby, uh, and Sidney Crosby's not the problem. But with blending new and old, do you think Kyle Dubas even has a hand that he can win with? Like, even if he does a great job at the margins, is it good mm-hmm. enough in Pittsburgh to have a winner? I think for as badly as things went in the last couple of years under Ron Hextall, where the vibes, the vibes are just terrible, right? Like, they had, uh, last year you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin you know, basically being completely healthy over the course of the season and really productive, and they and they blew it. They wasted a, a year where those two guys were as productive as you could reasonably expect them to be at, you know, 35 and 36. So, yeah, I, I think to some degree the expectations have changed here, and I think people do realize that the roster wasn't in a great spot when Dubas took over, and I think – the over, I, I think the overall vibe around the fan base and around that team is like, this might not work, but we at least need to give it our, our best possible shot. And I think that's sort of what Dubas's, you know, task was heading into the season. I think he did about as good as, as you could reasonably be expected. Like, like this is not, there, there was enough going wrong with this team that it wasn't going to be a one-off season fix to turn them back into a, a legit, 
you know, true, like, top-shelf Stanley Cup contender. That just wasn't a reasonable expectation because of the way things went bad. So I think people did kind of adjust accordingly, and they're saying, look, if the alternative is selling off and doing some kind of soft rebuild and whatever, that's no good. That shouldn't be an option. So let's just, you know, play the cards that were dealt. And I think Dubas has done that about as about as well as could be expected. I mean, they landed the big fish, uh, Eric Carlson, of course, who was very highly touted this last couple months. He ends up with Pittsburgh, and I think it was a bit of a slower start, and it looks like things mm-hmm. are, are clicking a little bit more. Um, has he been the spark that the Penguins needed? Is there still more you expect from somebody with the pedigree that is Eric Carlson? I think at 5-on-5, five five, he's been really good. Like, he's been... Maybe not, maybe not producing on the level that he was with the Sharks, but I, I think that would have been an unreasonable expectation. You know, you don't expect defensemen to come out and have back-to-back hundred-point season, but doesn't happen all, the, all that often. So, I think he's been good. I think he's uh, been been better, certainly better defensively with this team than he was in San Jose. I think that was certainly a concern when you look at some of the five-on-five numbers. They were they were ugly, but he's he's at least you know patched up that part of it and it's certainly part that's playing with a better team than he was with, with San Jose but whatever only again you can only play the games that are in front of you I think the issue for him is in the in the spot where you know he hasn't made the difference that people maybe hoped or, or anticipated again is on the power play like, the, like that that unit is ugly and you guys are going to see it firsthand you know, firsthand tomorrow it's a group that at some point in the season was at least generating chances you know, their issue is that maybe they, they couldn't finish. But in terms of, you know, if, it, if you look into shot maps and expected goal, you know, numbers and stuff, they, they were doing what they needed to do. That is not true anymore. That's gone out the window over the last couple of weeks. And Carlson's part of that, just like Sidney Crosby's part of it, and just like Evgeny Malkin's part of it. As good as those guys have been at five-on-five, five, they're doing their part, you know, when it comes to when it comes to that that portion of the game, they they're they just look lost at five on four right now, and it's and it's turned into a real problem. We're chatting with Sean Gentilly of the Athletic and the Puck Soup podcast. Okay, it's not often that I get to ask you about a uh, alumni of the Dartmouth Big Green like myself, Drew O'Connor. How's that young kid doing? Because we are a proud group when we get to see a Big Green in the NHL. Hey, I knew I knew you were a Dartmouth grad. I was wondering if we were. Of course, if we were gonna, I had we to ask. Of course, <laughs> of course. does not turn down an opportunity. No, this doesn't get him much. Okay, I would be. That'd be bad business. Go on. No, he's he's good. He's in he's in that mix of uh, of of people of guys I mentioned before. You know where where he is. Kind of, he's been. You know, he's a he's an NHL player on the bottom six, and that was what again. Going by, I know like every discussion of Kyle Dubas turns into a referendum of, of Ron Hextall, right? Because you can't talk about one one without the other. Because Dubas had a job because of how you know bad Hextall was at his. That was always one of the more confusing parts of you know their roster over the last couple of years. You blame Hextall for it a little bit. You maybe blame Mike Sullivan for it, but it was like Drew O'Connor should be playing like regular minutes. He should be in the mix more, and I think we've seen more from him this season. The dude's a, he's a he's a relevant player. He he brings something to the lineup. And for a team that I know I, I I'm like repeating myself here, but for a team that struggled to get you know any sort of shot in the arm from from its depth players over the last bunch of the years, I think that's a welcome thing. So he's 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 been good. 
Yeah, Proud of them. shot in the arm, go green. Uh, <laughs> go big green? Yes, big Just green. Lean green, whatever, yes. uh, whatever it is. Uh, Sean, your uh, colleague in The Athletic, Rob Rossi, wrote a uh, must-read about Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, their impact on the NHL. Alex Ovechkin quoted in that saying, we saved the NHL on the uh, hyperbole meter. Where does that one rank for you? Oh, man, that's a great question. Rob told me that, that Ovechkin said that he sat down with Ovechkin for, I know, a month ago, let's say. Like, it, it's been, it's been, that quote has been in Rob's notebook for a minute. And as mm. soon as he told me what he said, I was like, let's go. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the headline. This is the lead. Like, whatever. Uh, okay. One to ten on the hyperbole meter. I can't give it a ten because there's certainly, like, there's kernels of truth there. So mm. I, I think, it, I, like, we need to remember what bad shape the league was in coming out of the lockout. But it's closer to a ten than a one. <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay, so that's that's. Uh, I would probably go closer to one. Uh, but yeah, what a resume for Ovechkin, <laughs> all-time leading scorer in the NHL if he catches Gretzky, which we expect him to do, and savior of the NHL, co-savior, uh, I guess, uh, with Sidney Crosby. Uh, but you know, comparing those two is always interesting because right now it seems like Crosby has more gas in the tank than Ovechkin. Uh, Ovechkin. Not really as much of a part of uh, Washington's slight turnaround here, while Crosby's still like, hey, good win a sulky this year's like got a lot of things going on. Uh, is there still juice for that matchup? Is it less so? Is it you know a lot of uh, parading around or celebrating the fact that Crosby may outlast Ovechkin, or at least seems that he will? Like, what's the state of that uh, interplay and rivalry right now? I think this is the first year where, yeah, where it feels like they're kind of the paths are diverging, right? Justin, I, I think you said it, where Crosby, I mean, he's like up towards the top of the, he's, I don't know if he's still leading the league in five on five points, but he, but he was, he was really close last I looked, right? Like you're talking about a dude who, you know, if, if that power play was even remotely competent, we'd be talking about this guy uh, winning a, maybe winning an Art Ross at 36, right? Like he's, he's unreal. He's putting up, goal scoring and point production numbers that we saw from him when he was 25 or, or 26, 10 years later. Right. And, and Ovechkin, yeah, he's, um, you know, for as, as surprising as the caps have been, they deserve credit for where they are in that division. It does seem like, you know, the paths are, are starting to diverge a little bit. They're entering a different chapter of, of, uh, of the rivalry and of that relationship. And it'll be interesting to see because we're like, we're not, we're not used to this. Like they've always, you know, the teams fluctuate. Maybe they've been, you know, true cup contenders at, at different at different points, but they've always also been super ultra mega elite NHL players. And I think we're fast approaching the point where at least one of them probably isn't going to be able to say that. So yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated to, to see what happens as the season as the season uh, progresses, and as as we see have a, a few more matchups between those two guys uh, head to head for sure. We got one last one for you, Sean, uh, before we let you go pick out your leftovers. Um, Penguins are going to retire Yager's number on February 18th. Why did it take so long to get to this point? So I'm like, I, I've, I've talked about this before. There's like a Lemieux generation of, of kids who of kids who grew up watching Prime Lemieux. And then there's a Crosby generation. And then there's a Yager generation. There's like, and it's, and it's mainly guys who are my age. I'm, I'm 37. Like Yarmer Yager pound for pound is, is maybe my favorite hockey player of all time. So like, you know, I was I was always waiting waiting for something like this in, in one capacity or, or another. But it's it's because 
it's because he 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 wanted a lot of it was on him honestly and he wanted to do it he wanted to do it when he was done playing and he wasn't and he still technically isn't done like there's a chance there's always a chance that he ends up suiting up for the Czech league team that he owns but like you know the guy's in his 50s now like i i think everyone's like finally ready to ready to cut the charade at least at least he is so there's a new there's a new uh president of of the franchise his name's Kevin Acklin he he was really gung ho about making this happen and really convincing Yarmer Yager that it was the right time for this to happen. So yeah, there was some ugliness and some drama, you know, coming out of the in that relationship, especially after he uh, spurned the team to sign with the Flyers, you know, ten ten years ago or or fifteen years ago or however long it is at, at this point. That's been patched over. The issue now is the, was that he needed to be he needed to be comfortable saying like that. You know he's done, and it was and it was something that he wanted to do, and he's finally there. It, it'll be it'll be good for everybody. It'll be nice to resurface some Yager mullet pictures too. It'll, I'm sure there'll be some people with wigs in the stands on that night. Oh, you, I, can, you can you can that's a mortal lock, absolutely, 100 yeah. percent chance. Oh, that's great. Well, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, enjoy the festivities. Enjoy tomorrow night. It'll be a big one uh, for both sides. Absolutely, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. That's Sean Gentilly of the Athletic and the Puck Soup podcast. I was once Yager for Halloween. Were you? I had, I got a mullet and I okay. did a kind of like scruffy beard. Okay. And I had a Yager shirt. A little Jofa helmet? No. No? I think Yager. Yager, I mean, we need a 30 for 30 on Yager. Oh, I, I also, more than I also think if there was one NHL player who I could have dropped in the social media era, it would be Yarmer Yager. Well, like we've I, seen pictures I, of Yarmer Yager. Like, he, oh yeah, he, he's had some social media shine. <laughs> he uh, has. Albeit, I don't know if he knew not he wanted the, that. Not the extent that we might have gotten. Like, I think it would have been, it would have been, uh, he would have been, he, he would have had a lot of attention on social yes. media. He was living a different life than I think most athletes are living now. And most athletes maybe ads have to be buttoned too? up because of, you know, the social media mm-hmm. thing. But if Yager did what Yager did with social media around, there would have been a lot of Yager stories. I feel like he would have been a guy, too, that wouldn't have turned down an endorsement, and they would have been some weird endorsements. <sighs> Maybe when he gets his jersey retired, he realizes he has all this North American love still, and he comes on over and he gets in some TV commercials. He really is holding a lot up just playing every random Sunday or any random Sunday yeah. in the Czech League. He's still fit. Like, he, he could be... He could probably be a fourth liner for some teams in this league. <clears throat> San Jose Sharks. Maybe the Sharks. Maybe the Sharks. You're right. Um, okay, we have a couple minutes here before we take a break. So we're going to get into our first Friday mailbag. The fun Friday mailbag. The fan Friday mailbag. The fuchsia Friday mailbag. You. I'll get fuchsia for next week. Okay. Well, you could never wear fuchsia. What are you talking about? You have fuchsia? I don't, but I could. Wow. If you wore fuchsia on Friday, we can make a thing of it. Well, see, you're already regretting it. I'm just saying, like, I, I have to buy something, and then I was like, what, what about the next one? Am I wearing the same no, fuchsia? It's okay, don't you worry. How about fan mailbag? Let's Friday? do fan mail, fan Friday mailbags. Okay, okay. So most of these were through Instagram. Um, we have four to go through, and maybe one in the next break. Um, okay. Do I read who? Do I read who submitted it? That's your call. Okay. The question is more likely to get traded, Bo slash Vlad 
or McDavid slash Dreisaitl. I assume it's like one from each collection, not both and both. Oh, I was looking at it the other way. Oh, I you was think thinking both? it was Bo and Vlad versus McDavid and Dreisaitl. Okay, well, answer how you'd like then. Okay, so either way, it's Bo and Vlad. 100% it's Bo and Vlad. Because there are no circumstances Singular by which. or as a pair, it's Bo and Vlad. Like, just think about history. Like, if the Oilers <laughs> are the team that traded the two greatest hockey players in the history of the sport, starting with Wayne and then doing Connor 35 years later, whatever it is. You cannot do that. You cannot do that, There ever. would be people burning like McDavid, down that stadium. McDavid, just, just let him play every single game until he wants to walk. If he wants to walk, it's done. You can't trade Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm under any circumstances unless he demands it before a season giving you ample time and still I don't know if I'm doing it. Bo and Vlad, we're getting pretty close to the clock here. And, and they haven't paid everywhere either you go on Twitter, someone's trading them. Some exactly. insiders already trading exactly. them. Exactly. Exactly. So it's easily Bo and Vlad and I think there's a good opportunity. It's Bo and Vlad before it's either McDavid or Dreisaitl. Yeah. Even though the Oilers were at the lowest of low ever in like their franchise the last week, Trading them seemed, it trading them seemed like so unfathomable. It was okay. Well, they're just not going to sign here again. But to actually be like, hey, I'm Ken Holland. I'd like to trade Connor McDavid for what? Like what? Also, Connor McDavid's agent or former agent now runs the team, no, so it, never, it, does, it, it feels it, uh, unbelievably far fetched. That was well, maybe not as as like strong of opinion yeah, because if it's the, like Drysdale could be like, I'm not doing this anymore, true. and then you got to do it. That was a great submission. Thank you. Uh, second one here. Uh, who would make the better F1 driver, Ailish or Justin? Uh, there is no question about this myself. Yeah, I have, it oh, is. I have, been to, I have also been to an F1 race, so I get it. That's not why it's you. <laughs> why is it not? What else? I'm I've a great seen, driver. I've seen you back into spots with speed that I'm not comfortable <laughs> going forward. Well, sorry, I'm a good I'm, I'm in park. drive going slower than you're going reverse parking into small spots in parking lots in Toronto underground i like you I'm are in a rush to get out of my car and get you are work. i'm excited playing with fire <laughs> i'm a great reverse and parker. you haven't done anything bad yet so i'm assuming that you your aggressiveness would pay off on a track i okay, i would definitely be who's getting to the grocery store safer i'm getting to the grocery i've store never safer. knock on wood ever had any incidences okay i'm just a i'm just i'm an active i'm an active driver i don't wait for things to happen i create them in the fan morning show days, too, we golfed a couple times after. And, and I would beat you. you were, no, you wouldn't beat me. I would see you rip by me, like, every single time. <laughs> Mostly for fun, though. Like, and I'd I know, but that's, you on the highway. that's why you're, uh, no, that's why you're winning. Way better that's why you're the F1 driver. Yeah. Watch out, Max, for stopping. I'm coming for you. Um, okay. Here's our third mailbag question. Is now the time to cash in on Nylander while stock is as high as it's ever going to be? Oh, my goodness. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. Um, maybe. Maybe. T- Ten, five games in when it was like, oh, he's really for real. Well, now, it's, over now. now it's it's too much. It's too much to imagine trading William Nylander. Like, what are you cashing in on is my question. What do you need right now? A great defenseman? There's no trade scenario where you win with trading Nylander. Yeah, what's the goal? Are you trying to win a Stanley Cup? Are you trying to win one in like 10 years? Like, I don't know. There are teams that, you know, if you're if you're trying to expedite the process of rebuilding and you have one standout asset and his name's William Nylander, and yes, this would be the time to cash in. But the goal, again, for this Maple Leafs team over the next one, two, three, four, five, whatever years, is to win a Stanley Cup. And I think William Nylander is one of the guys that could help you do that. And the parts that you would get back in return, maybe they added something, but it's definitely less likely than yeah. William Nylander. Or it's less likely that that'll help you get there compared to William Nylander. Like timelines wouldn't work out that you would win 
any win now type of scenario, right? Like, it, there's nothing you can get from William Nylander that's going to make your team better at this moment, but maybe it's some first-round picks. Like, that's great. Yeah, but they're not in the position to recoup they, first-round they picks. No. If you concocted even the best possible trade, which is probably another scorer who earns less, plus a stud defenseman who earns the same that, you know, combined with William Nylander, then maybe, but I don't think you're a better team. So they're not going to do that. It's not time. It's not time. The time has passed, and now you must pay him. Okay. Um, next mailbag question. How long until Zach Wilson is playing in the CFL? I'll let you handle this one. Why? I answered the first one first, or the last one first. Um, He's never playing in the CFL. He's not good enough. You know the, the... Oh, I thought... Okay, that's the way you're going. I'm glad you went that way. Like, he is not good enough. For, I thought you were going to say, no. like, he's too... No, no, he... I think he could be it's like a wider a, field. He could be. Yeah. You gotta have an arm. He could be like a. You gotta have an accurate arm. You gotta throw long player. balls that are just basic out routes in the CFL. He could Zach be. Zach Wilson can't player. do that. He He's the third player. stringer for the Jets right now. I was just to check out the final score. Yeah, thirty-four thirteen. They lost today to the Miami Dolphins. Tim Boyle's not much better. He might be better though, which is an indictment on Zach that Wilson. Is tough. Tim Boyle, better than Zach Wilson. So Tim Boyle ain't playing the CFL. I don't know which team needs um, a quarterback in the CFL. I'd have to do a little research. I mean, it's, it's not rich with quarterback talent, but then again, Zach Wilson is not rich with quarterback talent. That's true. All right. Well, that was fun. That's our uh, Friday mailbag. You can send us in stuff during the week. If you just want to like text us 59590, you could write, this is for Elish and Justin because everyone texts in there, so it gets a little bit messy. Do it during the show. It'll be easier That's for us. That's also helpful. Um, you can tweet us at Elish44 at JC Cuthbert. Instagram handle the same for me. For you, it's jcuthbert590. Nailed it. All right. I need well, a unique name like yours. Yeah, nobody's an Elish44 out there. Um, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Smith and Jones from Scotiabank Arena. We're about half an hour from tip-off. Chicago here in town to play the Toronto Raptors. Uh, it's a in-season tournament game with zero stakes. But revenge. So we'll get to that next up on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.